Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Jonathan Ovadia. Jonathan is the CEO of XLab, who has developed the world's number one virtual reality esport. He's going to talk all about how this has been made possible by the passion of the community. Going to talk a lot about development in VR for esports and more. Join me in talking to Jonathan. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC DLC Drop Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to have Jonathan Ovadia, who is the CEO and one of the founders of XLab. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I'm excited about this conversation. We've had a lot of episodes that touch on esports, all sorts of aspects, whether it's founders of a team or developing partnerships, content creators and players. But we haven't talked a whole lot about VR. And so I'm really interested to dive into this. So why don't you tell us first for our audience, what is XLab? So yeah, here at XLab, we're a virtual reality game studio. We've been focusing on one title called Veil VR. And Veil VR is a first-person shooter, multiplayer focus on competitive VR esports. Awesome. And so I love taking this walk through the career path. People who are successful, who are innovative in business and technology. And I always find it fascinating to, to understand how you got to where you are. So was VR always on your radar from... Uh, or as young as an age as it was available, I should say, or did that some, was that something that kind of emerged through other chapters of your career path? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was super organic. I was in high school, and my older brother, one of the other founders, he always had a music label, and I kind of helped him out. I used to live with them, and you know, instead of paying rent, I would help him out with doing random things, reaching out to other artists, reaching out to PR, marketing, Sometimes we'd go on tour, so I'd do like, you know, the booking of the hotels and the the venues and things like that. When I graduated high school and I went to college, I got more involved with what he was doing. And back in 2014, that's when I first started college, their first project in VR was actually a virtual reality music experience called Water Planet. It was by our other founder, Elizabeth. And she really just wanted to use virtual reality as a medium to make art on a super massive immersive like scale. So cool. she was doing an EP called Water Planet, had a few tracks on it. And the whole concept was we want to be fully immersed. Instead of just doing like music videos, we wanted to be fully immersed in it. Yeah. So from 2014 to 2016, 2017, Elizabeth was designing the whole entire VR experience. Albert was programming and engineering it. And I mean, it, it did really, I mean, it was just awesome. Like I was around that technology early on. I thought it was super cool. Facebook bought Oculus, I think back in 2014. So I thought it was going to be something. I thought it was really cool. I didn't know how big it would get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, around 2017, now, you know, I was helping tour this VR art exhibit, you could call it, to museums and festivals and a lot of events. Red Bull actually made Elizabeth the Red Bull Music Academy. Uh, person so we got a lot of cool stuff from red bull a lot of opportunities and i was always the one lugging stuff around and setting up the vr stations and kind of like tech demoing people and it was just this really cool thing where every time you put somebody in vr for the first time they were just completely blown away it still even happens today sure not as not as much now now people kind of know what it is but back you know five what is it seven years ago eight years ago people were just like wow yeah i remember that 
people were blown away and they'd say, how do I get this? And I'd say, oh, it's like a four or $5,000 setup. And you know, most people would say, oh, that's crazy too much. The few people that had the money for it were like, okay, if I, if I were to get it, what else could I do? And there was really not much else to do. So they were like, okay, we'd wait, you know, let's wait, let's see for, you know, more things to come out. 2017 was incredible though. That was kind of the time where the first few real games came out and I was in love. I mean, I played, I played a lot of cool tech demos. And then when the game started coming out, I was like, this is my childhood dream, you know, Call of Duty, Halo, NVR. Yeah. Um, it was just really, really awesome. What ended up happening is the studio started working on its second project, which was actually going to be like a techno wave shooter from Albert, our other mm-hmm. founder. And he also comes from a competitive gaming background. So he started, you know, he wanted to take it up a notch. The first project was single player story driven narrative at your own pace, slowly go explore and touch things and whatever. The second one, we wanted to make it, you know, we wanted to gamify it. We wanted to have points and score and we wanted to make it a multiplayer so for the first you know few years it was really him just prototyping a lot mm-hmm. of the mechanics the designs and, and the weapons itself but i was just playing competitive vr which was a very small niche thing but i thought it was super cool yeah so it happened very organically where i became friends with a few hundred of the top vr esport players trying to play vr esports in these other games that really weren't designed for vr esports so there's a right. lot of gentleman agreements there was a lot of net code issues a lot of competitive integrity issues and we'd always like, you know, talk to the developers and say, hey, can you fix this? Can you fix that? But they just didn't really listen. They didn't really care. And it's fine. It is what it is. But at one point around 2019, 2020, I made a lot of friends and I kind of started a little discord and I was just telling my friends, hey, come check out what my brother's building. It's really cool. It's a music thing, but there's guns in it. They're like, oh, I love VR guns. Like, <laughs> let's check it out. Yeah. Um, really? Like I was involved with it every day. Right. So I didn't really like feel it. But hearing other top players that I super respect that have thousands of hours in VR esports, like first person shooters, they were kind of like, dude, this is nuts. Like this is actually better gameplay and gunplay than these other games, right? Wow. So they were kind of saying, hey, like, can we donate money to you? You should do a Kickstarter. You should try to make this a real thing. This was like 2018, 2019. And then in 2020, when COVID came, you know, gaming exploded. VR was picking up dramatically the quests two and the quest one like all those things exploded for vr gaming all over the world kind of exploded and i was working in hospitality hotel hotels here in miami so there was nothing to do i mean like it was work from home like literally nothing to do yeah the beauty is i used to work on this i used to work right play video games in vr for research and development purposes uh, maybe Best job 30, ever. 40 hours a week <laughs> and then i was able to do it 100 hours a week because there's nothing else to do yeah so during that that early COVID time you know, there was a moment where I just sat down and, and looked at our game and looked at the other games and was listening to the community that I was a part of for, you know, a good amount of years. And after talking to some people, it was just kind of like, damn, like we really, we really have the best thing ever. And then my biggest concern, because when we started, it was just like a, a passion project that, yeah, we wanted to make money off of it, but, you know, we never expected it to be like the number one game. We just wanted to make something cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I started talking, I reached out to like some top executives at big companies that make like big franchises and first person shooters, console, PC, not VR. Sure. And I was just picking their brain like, hey, like, what do you think about VR? Are you ever going to get into VR? And a lot of them were just like, VR, too small, not mm-hmm. big enough, very complicated. We have a thousand people that work on these franchises. There's so many things that are already standard practice and procedure. For us to go invest into virtual reality, it's probably not going to pay off. Right. So we're at the point where we feel more confident waiting for potentially a studio like yourself to go to the top and then we'll just buy whichever one 
ends up making it. Yeah. And after hearing this from a few top executives, I realized, okay, the only competition I have in the space is already here. We were involved in, in, you know, Steam Dev Days and like Unreal Engine communities for like many, many years. So we kind of have an idea of all the projects that everybody's working on in VR. Contrary to popular belief, VR might be the biggest thing in the world. The amount of people developing VR, very, very, very small. Like it would be, like it's almost crazy to think, but it, there's so little people actually working in VR yeah. that we kind of know who they are because there's like all this tech that like, you know, there's like these support forums on Reddit and Discord, like everybody's trying to figure out everything. There's people from all the companies working together to try to figure out these things that everyone kind of knows what everybody's working on. So knowing that the massive studios weren't going to tackle this, knowing that the indie developers, there was no indie developer really focusing on what we were focusing on. We were just kind of like, all right, let's, let's, let's do this. So tried raising institutional capital for a while. I mean, it was very annoying because when COVID first came out, they were like, oh, gaming's only up because of COVID. After COVID, it's going to go down nope. uh, even higher. But anyways, it's a whole other story. Yeah. So like six to 12 months of doing that, I met a guy that told me, hey, you should do something called equity crowdfunding. And I wasn't really a fan of that because I thought it was like a Kickstarter thing. And, and I, I didn't want to just ask for donations. I thought it was like kind of weird. Sure. Uh, but I saw this platform called Start Engine lets you actually take $100 minimum investments where the retail investor actually gets stock. And I thought that was crazy. I was like, dude, someone can invest $100 and actually get stock in the company. That's awesome. Yeah. So I pitched the Discord community we had, and they were like, dude, that is crazy cool. If we can own stock in the game that we play and believe in, that would be awesome. So January 2021, we officially incorporated the company because we have to do all these legal things to actually be able to raise money. Right. Um, and then the equity crowdfunding campaign in February. I raised about a million dollars in the first 30 days. Wow. Closed out. I had about a thousand VR investors in it, which was really, really cool. Did not expect that at all. That was like, that was just crazy. Like, like I was stressed out to do it. I'm like, damn, we might raise like 10K, 20K, who knows? It's not enough to do anything. Right. Blue, everybody was excited. They changed the law a month later, like March, April, where instead of raising a million dollars every 12 months, you can raise up to 5 million every 12 months. So, you know, we kind of started hiring a bunch of people. After doing the equity crowdfunding campaign, a lot of people from the community was like, hey, I'm a programmer, hey, I'm an artist. And like, these are people that I kind of knew for a while. And I was like, cool. dude, that's awesome. So we kind of built the, the company around people that are just obsessed with VR. So then we went out to do another raise. I think this was like, I forgot, April, May, June. Raised another million bucks in 30 days, basically. And that was awesome too. So now we have $2 million, a few thousand people in our Discord, about 1,500 VR enthusiasts that were also shareholders and investors and played the game every day with us. It's probably the best QA you could ever get because, you know, like, they just really care. And then, yeah, after that, that's when, you know, VCs that I've talked to in the past finally came to me and were like, hey, thought you were crazy. Obviously, you have something here. It's already been a year past COVID, and it doesn't seem like it's slowing down, and we're kind of over COVID anyways. So right. then we raised our first institutional round led by some, like, amazing investors that really believe in VR. Yeah, and then now now we're here. So <laughs> 2022. Amazing. Um, people all working on the game. I have about 1,500 investors that all are VR people that actually help us every single step of the way. A lot of these people are top VR esport players as well that like our game, like I'm at the point now where I, I can confidently say that we are the number one VR esport game. And knowing what I know now going through it, no amount of money can, can recreate what we made because it was really wow. collective of like 1,500, 3,000 people, now 45,000 people, but a collective group of people that are obsessed with this industry vr and like you can't you can't go design this on your own if you don't like you, you just you need to have these people and, and the thing is they kind of already did it with us 
So I highly doubt they'd go to another game that's working on stuff and be like, oh, this is broken. You should fix this and you should do this that way and you should do this because they're doing it with us. And the reason why they're doing it with us is because if they don't do it with us, they're never going to get a VR eSport game. But right. now that they have it, they're just going to play it. They're not going to go and help another studio kind of do it. So it's really, it's it's humbling. It's It's crazy to think that we're here and sometimes I still don't believe it, but it happened very organically. It was very random, a lot of hard work, like a ridiculous amount of work, <laughs> but I could have never planned for this. The DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by iShaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my ice shaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for ice shaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your ice shaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC Drop branded ice shaker at icehaker.com forward slash DLC Drop. Save 20% on all ice shaker products with the discount code DLC Drop. No, I love it. That's that's an incredible story. And I, I've got a number of questions, things I'm pulling out and taking notes here while you're while you're sharing that story that the main thing that I'm getting from you is the power of community, right? And that this the community may not be the biggest community in the world, but it's similar to skateboarding in my mind. I, I grew up as a skateboarder and you know it's it's like if you if you don't skate you can't relate. You know, like like I hear a skateboarding a skateboard coming down the street and I'm like a bloodhound, you know with that sound and I, I just relate to other people who have grown up doing the thing that I'm so passionate about. Similarly, this VR community, you've integrated players, developers, all sorts of people throughout this industry that are so passionate about it that have probably been under, I don't want to say underrepresented, under undersupported. No, Right. The only the only real company making progress in VR is Facebook, mm. and it's like a very you know double sided thing where everyone in VR we're grateful for what Facebook's doing yeah. because they're the only ones actually believing in the industry and investing. We would rather them do it a little differently, but we'll take what we can get. Right. So sure, that's about it. We are very excited for Sony's PlayStation VR two. We think that 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 is going to be a really really big factor and and help us get mainstream and the only reason why vr enthusiasts want vr to grow and get mainstream is because we all understand that if there isn't a large enough market it won't mm. be feasible or justifiable to invest in a lot of content and makes right sense. now the industry is at a point where the hardware is there like the hardware is literally there it makes it's good hardware yeah but no one ever buys no one's ever like oh i want to buy this xbox or this ps5 because it has the best hardware like no one does that people want to buy a ps5 for the PS5 games. They want to buy an Xbox for the Xbox games. Good so point. we're really at a point where the whole industry is just bottlenecked by one thing, content. We need more content. There is not that that game that people are like, yo, I need to get VR to play that game. I will say I have had maybe a few dozen DMs already of some top competitive players in Counter-Strike and, and Rainbow Six and 
yeah. and even Valorant, like, hey, I'm getting VR to play your game. So that that makes me really, really happy. Like that is probably like the number one compliment I could ever get. That's awesome. I was going to ask what that thing was that was keeping VR in your mind from going mainstream. And it sounds like content. Just content. Just content. Even and... today, people, people like, like people ask me all the time, like, I want to get VR. What can I play? Beat Saber. Right. VR chat. I mean, watch a movie on, sitting on the moon. That I mean, people do that. I, I've done it before. It's like not that. It's not right. anything special, but. You know, it's just like, it's a shame to me. I love VR chat, by the way. So many hours in it. Yeah. I love Beat Saber. It's the first thing I show everybody. But it's a little bit ridiculous that we're in 2022. Talking about the biggest exploding industry, we're talking about games that came out in 2017. Right. Like, that's that's the issue. Like, literally, at the top five or ten games, I can tell you, 2017, 2018. Like, it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. So you, you talked a little bit about the development process and how, I mean, these big brands, they're all set in their ways, right? You've done something, done something very well. We see time and time again, the companies just continue, continue to do it, either fail to pivot or rely on ambitious startups like yourself to innovate and then acquire that technology. Can you tell our audience how is the development process in a way that we can understand it? Because we're probably not as smart as you, <laughs> speaking for myself anyway, is how is that development process different for traditional games, mobile console versus VR? Barry, just so you know, I like barely know how to turn on a computer. I just know how to play video games and use Excel that. sheets and PowerPoint presentations. So um, now I'm I at consider ease. myself a product expert. <laughs> I, I can, I, all my reports for the artists and for the programmers are like, I am a player. I want to do this. I am a player. I tried doing X, Y, Z, and then something else happened that I did not expect. Like user experience is like, like I love being, I like to call myself the dumbest one in the studio. I feel that way. I like uh -huh. it because I go in and then sometimes the programmers that are actually 10 times smarter than me will say, well, what do you mean? You do this, you do, I'm like, yo, yo, yo. I don't know shit. I'm a, I'm a basic guy that right. loves to play games. I get in, I try clicking this button. It doesn't do the thing that I think it's gonna do. And they're like, oh, but if you do this and this, I'm like, yo, 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 Amazon, one click shop. Right. That's what we need to do. Well, and also, big button, yeah. Big button, very clear, very, treat me like I'm stupid. Like make it very clear what I'm doing. So just know you don't have to know shit about programming to be extremely valuable. Well, a point there too is you are probably more similar to the end consumer than the genius engineer who sees all of these things and understands all these things. So it's probably extremely valuable to have you as the CEO with this perspective because that user experience is going to be that is driven by you or guided by you. It's going to be a lot easier for somebody like me to be able to appreciate and operate, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I personally play Veil, our game, three to four hours a day on the weekdays, easy six hours, sometimes 10 hours on the weekends. Like I, wow. I used to be one of the best players. Now we're getting some really sweaty teams coming in, poning me, but I, I play a lot. Like I, I really do play a lot. I play so much that like, if something changes, that's like bad. I'm the first yeah. one yelling at people like guys, like, like what the heck? Right. The grenades, the, the grenades disappearing. I don't hear footsteps sounds. Oh, like today, for example, they pushed an update. I went in, in the first five minutes, I saw three things wrong. I was like, all right, there's a streak of an enemy guy over here. Like, like that's information that I shouldn't be having. The footstep sounds, I thought the guy was to my left, but he was actually to my right. 
right what else did, oh and then like like there was this weird bug that you know i went in i literally played like right before getting in here and i i was almost late because i was like in the programmer room but yeah like some people were dying and like half the time like the magazines or the guns would be invisible so like literally playing one hour today i went in the programmers are like oh my god i messed up i should have reverted this oh should have and it's already fixed and they're pushing the update as we speak right now but i i genuinely like like i'm a player i've been playing call of duty and halo my entire life yeah i've sunk hundreds of hours into world of warcraft and runescape so like mmos and fps games like i just know what i expect from a triple a game and that's all i'm trying to do here obviously simplified version because we don't have the craziest budget yet but sure we'll get there but yeah what what makes the question right was what makes development in virtual reality different than development in a traditional yeah. game and traditional can be mobile console pc right the difference is interactability and the fact that there is no industry standard because it's such a new industry everybody knows that if you go to you know you're in call of duty everybody knows if you walk up to a gun and you click x you pick it up when you click the button all it does is run an animation right it's a pre done animation yeah. that like makes it look like you're grabbing stuff for example if you're holding the gun and you click the b button it just says you know you have zero bullets now you have 30 bullets right. take three seconds and run this animation right very right. simple easy to do in virtual reality it's a nightmare i want to grab the magazine i want to look at it i want to touch it i want to throw it away i want to pick uh, up another magazine mm -hmm. i might want to put it a little bit into the ak i might want to rock it because ak's you know you can rock the mag in i want to put it in i want to cock the gun right maybe i want to cock it twice or three times or four times maybe i want to take another magazine and smack the ak mag out because that's how they do it in war right and like it sure. looks cool right yeah. so you have to add physics you have to add interest instead of having a to b points like click a button do thing you have to do almost an infinite amount of things right of like what if statements like what if they move it one degree this way two degrees that way what if they throw it with this much force this much force that much force there's like almost an endless amount of things to be done in virtual reality no one's ever done it it's never been done right yet that's why we don't have that game that everyone's like you need to go play it yeah so it's kind of fun to like try to think about what to do and work with the community the only right. reason why i know what works is because i have spent thousands of hours playing vr games that don't work and it's just kind of one of those things that we have mm. to keep iterating to see what works and what doesn't and it's all it's it's literally trial and error there's no there's no like right way to do anything like it's just like it hasn't been set in stone so it's it's literally trial and error and you can't have someone you know it's funny people that have 10 20 30 years of experience in traditional games are actually worse off making virtual reality these are set in their in their ways of how things should work Good point. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it actually doesn't it doesn't help after we raised our first big investment round i got so excited i'm like i'm gonna go hire call of duty people i'm gonna hire halo people dude some top people almost threw up in five minutes because they can't be in vr some other people that i asked about user experience they're like the first I, I gave like a quiz like to i was trying to hire a ux guy and i gave him a quiz on like how would you do this first like 10 things he told me i was like have you ever played vr he's like no i'm like i can tell he's like but i have 20 years of ux in this triple a sure. franchise and i yeah. studied ux i'm like dude i have 3,000 hours in virtual reality and i know what's comfortable i know what's not comfortable and i know how my body moves right and then you got to think about the people for accessibility that might be colorblind the people that might have one hand the people that have to be sitting down it's like it's like a new world so there's so many things i can go on a whole tangent there but it's no longer click button run animation right it's it's i need to be able if i can see it if i can touch it i need to be able to do it one more perfect example and then and then we can move on but you're in call of duty you see debris flying everywhere 
You see a piece of paper. You don't want. You don't care to touch it. It's just part of the scenery. Sure. In virtual reality, you bet me. I'll, I mean, I'll bet you anything. The kids are going to go in the game. They're going to see a bottle on the floor. They're going to see a piece of paper. They're going to want to touch that bottle. Yeah. They want to grab the bottle. They're going to want to smack the bottle on the floor, and the bottle's going to shatter. You, wow. I'll bet yeah. you anything it happens. I, I stalk these things all day. It's just people want to be able to do things in VR, and if you see it, you're going to want to touch it. And yeah. in regular gaming, you can do Houdini stuff, and you can just get people's attention and focus on the main thing, and that's all you got to program. In VR, everything should – if you – if a player wants to touch it, they should be able to. If not, yeah. it breaks immersion, and that's where it starts getting very, very difficult to, to achieve. Well, I'm starting to understand why these AAA publishers don't and developers don't want to touch VR uh, in addition to the the past or current size of the community. You know, I talked to a lot of people about how to get young people into working into the esports space, you know, supporting as a developer or marketing or partnerships or broadcasting, etc. It sounds like there's a, a great need for specifically VR video game developers. What's the solution to that? Passion is the only thing that can make it happen. Developing in VR, if you don't love it, you can't do it. You gotta try. You gotta put on the headset. Sounds like a headache. Times, you gotta put it. No, first of all, some people get headaches. About twenty percent of people get headaches. It's mm-hmm. just the number right now. I think it's actually. I saw a statistic, and don't quote me on it, but it's like twenty percent of females get it, and like seven percent of males get it. And then like the older you are, the more prone you are to it. Like people under eighteen, like don't get it. Also, people that do get headaches and are nauseous, you can get your VR legs. That's what they call it. And after mm-hmm. like repeated exposure to it, you, you're usually fine. But it's not for everybody. And normal right. program. When they want to test something, right, they click a button, they're playing it on the PC. And in VR, you need to stand up. You need to put on your headset. You need to launch it. And you need to do that 100 times a day. If you're not in love with this, it is, it's annoying. It's annoying. Yeah. If you're with this, it is 100% annoying. And because nothing's ever been tested properly and, like, fully validated by, by the world yet because it's so new, you got you to gotta work. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, developers in traditional games, never, almost never. There's a few studios that do, but very few. None of the big ones communicate with the community directly. There's a community manager, right. community manager, messaging. Like, no. You can go on our Discord at any time of the day. 90% of our team are actual VR gamers. Cool. And when we're not on the game, we're in the game playing with the people. You can't pay someone any amount of money to do what the people here do. Because if you're not in love with it, if you're not in love with the industry, you're not, you're not going to do it. You can't go to Call of Duty developers and say, hey, Call of Duty developers, go make a VR game. Right. Uh, there's been a names, but there's been a few AAA games trying to come into VR, and they just get, you know, they flop immediately. People are like, "This feels like a janky VR port," and it does. Right. Well, that's that. That's the next point I wanted to bring up is, you know, you can have all this super cool interactive stuff that you've thought all the way through, but at the at the end of the day, you've got to have a great game from the game perspective. I'll use the example touching the esports space phase clan you know they're doing all this stuff and recently phase rug announced his own sandwich and so i was i was reacting to this news and saying oh i think it's super cool to see these extensions out into other industries but the most important thing about this is that sandwich is delicious (laughs) right in the same way that these you could have all sorts of vr 
gimmicks or whatever you want to call it, right? Like, oh, cool, I can smash bottles and I can do this and I can jump through this and I can do all these movements and touch everything. But at the end of the day, I got to believe the game's got to be great, right? And so how do you balance thinking everything VR because of the passion, the experience, but also really making sure that this is a game that, that's great to play, has a great story, all of those things? Look, the beautiful part is we're not reimagining anything. We're starting with the most core type of game. It's, it's the biggest genre. It's a first-person shooter. Yeah. Everyone knows how a first-person shooter plays. Everyone yep. knows how it should play. So in VR, it was all about just, I want this to feel like I play, I play Warzone, Call of Duty Warzone. I play three, four hours a day also. Like, like if I'm not playing Veil, I'm playing Warzone. That's what, what I was going to say. Happens, I'll play Veil. <laughs> I'll yeah. play for as long as I can until I find like so many bugs or issues that I write them all down. I get very frustrated because I'm a gamer yeah. <laughs> and it's my company too. So I'm like, like we're up. and right. then when I de-stress, I'm like, let me go play Call of Duty. So it's just, <laughs> I know what it should feel like. I'm a gamer. You're adopting best practices from a game Yeah. with other people and we're all pissed off about things. Like it's just, it's just that simple. Right. Right. I want to grab. I want it to feel good. I want to shoot people. I want it to feel good. I want right. it to be, I want to shoot and have fun. Like it's just, that's it. I want to compete at the highest level. I want to know that when I shoot somebody, I actually shot them and they actually died. Even in call of duty, sometimes you shoot someone and you're like, yo, I shot that guy. Right. Die. Or sometimes you're like, yo, I went past, you know, I, I got into the house. Like there's no way they shot me. Like that happens a lot. And it's a very frustrating feeling. And VR, it happens even more because you have more data to render in real time because VR just uses more data and the hardware is not as powerful. So it's all about just, you need it. It just needs to feel fluid and smooth and it needs to be fun. And the beautiful part is me personally, I'm very tired of like, you know, military dudes in World War II. Mm -hmm. uh, from my whole life, like some of the best Call of Duties back in the day other than Modern Warfare was like World at War and like, all, like it was cool. But I grew up on that and like, I'm ready for new things. So I got very lucky that Elizabeth, one of our founders or chief creative officer, she has a crazy vision and like everything you see about our game and world, like just the look and the aesthetic of it on its own, is just yeah. so like, you feel good in it. Like you, like not only does the guns feel good and also we were a music studio before mm -hmm. our sound crazy. Like if you shoot our guns or you walk or you smack things like the sounds in the game. It's all these little, like video games are really an art. Like you have to have the music, you have to have all the sounds, you have to have the visual, you have to have the programming. Like it's so many different, it's, it's really, when I think of video games, I think of art on a massive scale fueled by technology. Yeah. But I don't know if that helps explain it. I just, I know what it should be cause it's probably the most old school genre ever, first person shooter. And I just, I played enough VR shooters that don't do it right, that I know what doesn't work. And then with, you know, thousands of hours in that, thousands of hours in regular first person shooters on console and PC, like I just know. And then like with the community, we we decide together. Yeah, no, I think you, I per you perfectly explained why this is successfully driven by people who are passionate about VR and are gamers themselves because you can't fake it. There's a lot to replicate and then there's a lot to innovate in the same way. Tell us a little bit more about Veil. Like, I want to you know, tell me w why this game is so dope. You know, what's making it the number one VR esport? At the end of the day, it's really the community. Like, it really, it really is a community. We're actually the largest and most active VR FPS community, and we're not even officially out yet. 
We wow. have more active members in our community than games that came out five years ago that were in the lead. And we're not even out. Just recently that we launched into beta last month, we have more concurrent players in our first person shooter than most of the top five games, like even Facebook owned games. Wow. Like it's just, it's just crazy, but I don't know how to explain it. The community makes it awesome. Mm -hmm. The art makes it dope to look at. And then the way that everything feels and is fluid, it just, it just feels like a game that's fun and good. Like it just, it just does. Like I personally, I've been playing Call of Duty so long because it just, they just got it all right. And they are military dudes, but Call of Duty has its own aesthetic. It has its own vibe, especially right. with all the cool trailers with the rappers and the hip hop artists. Like Call of Duty is it. I see on Steam at least once a week, a new first person shooter that looks just like Call of Duty, but I'm gonna play Call of Duty. My friends are in Call of Duty. It feels good. There's still some stuff broken, especially the cheaters. They kind of are trying to fix it, but sure, it just is what it is. So. For me, it looks cool, it plays well, and all my friends that I've made over the last few years are there, and we kind of are the largest community and the most active community, a big issue in virtual reality, right? Well, it's been an issue for five years, but you know, people will make a multiplayer game, they won't involve the community from day one, the game will come out, and there's gonna be things that people are like, oh, what made you think that that was okay? But they didn't ask anybody, right? right. And then they get in the game anyways, there's things that are broken with it, Sometimes you might not even find a match. Like I've been in some games that I'm hyped on. I'm not going to say some names, but last year there's a few big releases that I was very excited for that I got into the game. Things were broken. I tried finding a match to play with people. I couldn't find anybody. Sometimes in some games I'd wait 15 to 30 minutes to play a game. The yeah. match only lasts minutes. Some people would drop out and then you're playing like a 3v4 or a 2v4 or something. And then you never, you never touch it again. So to have this many concurrent, like you can log in our game any time of the day. There's people to play with. Even if it's just 10 people, awesome. there's like there's someone to play with at all times. And I, I stalk like on the hour, like how many concurrent players we have. And like wherever we have some some troughs, like some dips, I look at like the time zone and I'm like, okay, that's Japan. Okay, that's Australia. That's New Zealand. Like that's Africa. And like I'll go into these VR Discord communities like that have these countries in them. Yeah. And like talking to them, I'm like, yo, like, like here's a key, bring some people. What can I do to help you? Like things like that. And I, I've seen like now like our, our lowest concurrent floor is like almost 100 people at any given time, which it's more than 10 servers, and that beats out a lot of other VR games in these early days. So people to play with, looks good, fun. That's all you really need. Awesome. Very very, the barrier is very low right now in the ecosystem. That's great. So you've done an amazing job of developing this game, it sounds like. To take this to the next level, to be a highly adopted, it really make it an eSport title that is highly adopted and there's competitions across the world sort of a thing. What are those next steps to make that happen? Yeah, so there's a lot of steps, but I'll tell you about the the closest, the, the one that we're doing right now. So we held actually a pre-alpha tournament when we were in pre-alpha. We held an alpha tournament and now we're doing a beta tournament. It's never been done before. I mean, I have never seen a game be in pre-alpha or alpha and do a tournament. Things right. were broken, people were crashing, there was money on the line, like there were so many things broken, but everyone agreed that even if things are broken, they're gonna do it because it's gonna help us find out what's needed. Because the community's so tight, right? The community's yeah, so tight, you're willing to be like, yeah, we know this isn't perfect yet, but let's contribute. And you're also exactly. in the same way of giving, providing stock, I give kudos to you guys, you're enabling that the passionate community can benefit by participating, not just saying, hey, participate and we're taking everything. You're saying, no, let's all win together, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. So 
We're doing a beta tournament now. I'm super proud to say we have 164 teams as of this morning. One of, I think I think it's the most teams ever involved in a tournament in VR. We have a Discord community that we made just for the league. We have 2,400 members in it. It's the most out of any other league in all of VR as well. Wow. So we got the most people in our Discord. We have the most teams involved. And we're going to be doing qualifiers in August. So every and, and we also wanted to take an open approach. So most leagues, there's like a short period where you have to get onto a team. It's like you have to know somebody. If, if you hear about it, you can't apply until like three months later for the next sure. league. So we wanted to do an open approach where August is fully open. Anybody can make a team. Anybody can register up to 24 hours before a scheduled date on the website. It's very cool, ivrl.org slash veil. You can make a team, you can look for a team, you can join a team, you can recruit for your team. You see Saturday and Sunday slots. Every Saturday and Sunday has different times depending on the time zone so we can accommodate everybody. You sign up, single day elimination, top six teams place in the qualifiers. After six teams place every Saturday and Sunday for four weeks, you have 48 teams. And then all of September is gonna be those 48 teams actually competing. And then on October 1st, here in Miami, we're gonna be doing a land final. So. The last LAN final was held by Facebook themselves back in 2019. And we have more than double the amount of teams registered for our tournament than Facebook did back in 2019. So we're very, very excited about that. That's what's next. Like, it's happening right now. Eventually, you know, we'll launch the game and do more tournaments. We want to have matchmaking ratings inside of the the actual game. We want to host, like, invitationals. So if you want to get into the league or the tournament, you just got to be a player playing ranked lobbies, getting your points up, and then you'll get invited. Right now, it's very open. And yeah. We're going to keep it this way for a while, but eventually once the game's fully up and running, you know, you got to be a player playing the game, you get invited. All the top players will get invited to play. So we're really excited about that. Talking to some very large esport orgs that are finally looking to sponsor some teams in VR because they believe in it now. I saw there's a there's a really cool guy on Twitter. He's a very big like esports influencer news guy, Jake Lucky. He he tweeted yep. about us. So we've been working together to he was he was funny. He was just saying like, "Oh, VR is so dope and like no one's doing anything." So I started tweeting at him. He's like, holy shit, like, this is actually a thing. It's crazy. So with his help, we've been able to bring a lot of people from Counter-Strike, Rainbow Six Siege, and Valorant over to our game. So I'm really excited to see, like, these, like, you know, PC pros try to get into VR. It's going right. to be interesting to see. But overall, I feel very good about it. It's just about increasing awareness. For esports to be sustainable, you need a lot of players. You need a lot of viewers. I right. think this is the coolest thing to watch because it's no longer people behind a keyboard and mouse. It's, like, very physical and interactive. So as long as we get a lot of viewers, it starts going up. We'll be able to bring in some nice sponsors. We already got some in the VR community, but looking to branch outside of the VR community. More sponsors, more money, more money, more prize pools, more players. And then it starts feeding the ecosystem. So one step at a time. I think our pre-alpha tournament was like about two years ago. So doing all right. I love it. How big are the teams? Are you doing 4v4, 5v5? Uh, So our game is 5v5. The teams can have up to eight. Once you submit your team, you can't swap anybody out. The other three people are just for subs, just in case they, they need a sub. Cool. And you mentioned that some larger esports orgs, I'm really close to a lot of the CDL teams, a lot of the OWL teams. You mentioned they are looking into sponsoring some of these teams. Have any really come on board yet? Or are these basically very organic teams of players who are just making their own team themselves? Yeah. So right now, it's all VR people making teams. And then I'm talking to a few esport orgs. I'm literally like, I'm supposed to sign today the venue because like, that's like the last piece missing for for these things. Cool. Um, but what they're looking to do is after the qualifiers, like after we have 48 qualifiers, they want to see like the stats on them. Yeah. And they basically just want to do. So a few of them tried doing this a month or two ago, where they're like, hey, 
let's change your team name to be our team name and we'll give you like free merch and then they're like these people in vr are very passionate yeah maybe they have a little bit of ego but they deserve it so they're like you guys we don't want your name it's our name or nothing yeah some of them were like look we'll do like you know our name and your name and you can sponsor us and give us merch and gear because we think it's cool and it brings more awareness to vr esports but not one actually only one team that i'm in talks with right now to see if they can close it just because the org is so famous that they were like we'll make that our name sure but only one team the rest of them what we're looking to do is after the qualifiers pretty much like here are the top 10 here are the top 20 put your name on it co-market let's grow the ecosystem there's not even money in it right now to start with so you know literally just give them some cool merch and now your brand is associated with innovative VR esports, mm-hmm. and these players are super happy because they just got some free merch. And all the only thing you have to do is do some tweets, and we'll do some tweets, and everybody's happy. So it's very handshake deal like that. Like there's no, there's not like money on the table or anything like that. Well, I got to believe too, you know, a lot of times these underrepresented communities, when somebody comes in and represents them in the way that that, that they deserve, boy, they just that niche community just embraces these people who come in. Right. And so it's, it's, I think a shout out for the first movers out there. I like, mean, do me, do me a favor after this podcast, go look at, at Jake Lucky's Twitter. Yeah. And just look at the recent tweets of the last week about VRE sports. Like just look at the amount, like he even tweeted today. Like, I can't believe it. I got over a million views on my VRE sports, like tweet, like, wow. Like he's doing better on it. Cause, cause the entire VR esport ecosystem caught wind to like yo jake lucky's like helping yeah most people never heard who he was everyone in vr esports in the whole world knows who this guy is because he's a big guy vouching for a niche industry with a lot of passionate people so it would make sense for any of these large brands to throw them a bone yo here's some cool mouses and keyboards and whatever and like use our name like your top 48 like we want to support the next generation of of esports which is vr it just makes everybody look good it helps everybody there's no there's no loss here so really excited to see see where that goes. I love that. And we're excited here at the DLC Drop Podcast to be part of supporting this valuable community as well. Question is, we have about 15 minutes left, is you mentioned a little bit about the viewer experience, which I hadn't thought as much about until you mentioned it. Can you talk a little bit about how the viewer experience is different than traditional esports? Yeah, so I can tell you how VR is different than traditional. And then I'll tell you what we're doing to be different than everybody else in VR. So. Awesome. Traditional game, you can see first-person view, you can see third-person view. Let's talk about first-person view, which is usually the most like engaging, like, let me see through their eyes. First-person view on a camera in a PC or console, it's stabilized. And you're kind of, I don't know how to explain this, like without, like, can people see the video by the way, or is it yes. just audio? Yeah, it's video oh, okay, as well, cool. yep. All right, cool, didn't know. So in VR, all right. In console or PC, it's very stable. You look left, you look right, you look up and down. It's very smoothed out. In VR, people are doing this. Yeah. And when you watch that as a consumer on a screen, it nauseates you because mm-hmm. you're watching. You ever seen an action movie where it's first person view and the guy's running? Yes. It's like five seconds. This is hours of this shit. <laughs> it's right. terrible. You're going to throw <laughs> so, up in your popcorn so- bucket in the movie theater if they... Every VR first-person shooter right now has that. Every VR game has that. You're you're looking through the eyes of the person, and if they nod their head or they walk, it's jarring. It just is what it is. So we partnered with a company called Live, uh, Live Live.tv. Awesome startup. Been in the space since 2014. Have you ever watched Beat Saber mixed reality videos with the person being in VR? That's all of them. They've they've they're like the number one content creator tools 
company. They kill it. Content creating and streaming tools. So the CEO comes from Counter-Strike, very competitive. We became very good friends. We've been working together for about two years. All he wants to do is make VR esports a fun experience to watch. So our game is the only first-person shooter that has Live integrated to it. So when you're playing Vale as a player and you have Live open, you're actually in third person. Cool. So now it looks like a third person thing. You can switch to first person. And when you switch to first person, it stabilizes it. So it actually looks like if it's a regular PC or console game, if you grab your guns, yeah. it zooms in. If you look through your scope, it zooms in even more. The whole experience is so fluid that wow. it's going from third person to first person down, aim down. Like when you're aiming down sites, like ADSing, like yeah. it's like so <laughs> smooth. You can set up cameras in your real space as well. So now it's like Sick. the best experience to watch. So if you go and type in on YouTube, like live Vale demo, probably you'll, you'll see, or just type in like live Vale VR. Yeah. Uh, you'll probably see some videos of it, but we're very proud to, to do that. And now all we're doing is working on spectator tools and casting tools to make it a really fun experience for casters and spectators, because you know, that's, those are the people that show it, right? Like when I'm, when I'm on Twitch watching VR, I want it to be good and it looks jank most right. of the time. So right. I'm very proud that our game on Twitch looks really good. And we're like not even fully there yet. Well, I love that you guys are so passionate about what you're doing, but you're, you're not just ignoring the criticism or the, the issues, right? No, we welcome it. We yeah. welcome it. And you're fixing it. You're providing solutions, right? So you're saying, how can this both on the player side be the best thing possible innovate where it's not there yet apply best practices where it is and then on the the viewership aspect saying like no we recognize that this can be nauseating not just ignoring it or saying you shouldn't be nauseated how can we make this a great viewership experience and boy it just sounds like you're hitting all the right buttons and you've got a great path forward you're getting me excited i need to i need to play this game with you guys it'll be a pleasure i'll set you up anytime you want I appreciate that. With just a few minutes left, we talked a little bit about what's coming forward, but can you tease us as much as possible or give us something that we can look forward to that the community will have coming from Vale VR? Yeah, so so right now where we're at, we're in beta. We got two map, or sorry, two game modes, Team Deathmatch and Artifact, which is our competitive game mode, kind of similar to like a search and destroy, bomb defusal type game mode. We have seven maps right now in game and about a dozen guns. So obviously you're gonna see more game modes, capture flag, sort of gun game, free for all, one in the chamber, a few that we're concepting in house that are like very VR that I haven't seen anywhere else that like only makes sense in VR. I don't yeah. have names for it, but it's really fun. You're gonna see more guns, you're gonna see more maps, but really next phase of the overall project is gonna be focusing on the social. So something I've been saying for many years is we wanna reimagine the gamers lobby. So a traditional first person shooter, you're, you know, you're on Call of Duty or Halo, it's the first thing you do. You get put in a welcome screen, you click on your friends list, you see who's online, you either join their party or they join yours. Yeah. It's it's voice chat only and you see an animation of whatever skin you bought that's walking and then the game starts. For us, the game starts the second you load in. So the second you load in our game, you're actually in your virtual home and in your virtual home, you can currently invite people to your virtual home and then you can go to games together. So the party has been reimagined in a social virtual reality home. Next phase will include a social hub that we're calling the Vale Citadel. So think like MMO FPS, where yeah. you'll load into the game for the first time, you'll go through a tutorial, the tutorial will spit you out into like what we're calling the Vale Citadel. There will be merchants, arena masters, guild masters, clan masters, 
a bunch of like cool interactable merchants and things like that. You'll see other people in the world that you can go say hi to or interact with or add to your friends list, whatever it is. And then you can, for example, buy some stuff for your house, go to your house, place it in your house. And then everybody right now has the same house, but in the future, people will be able to customize and design their houses. And then we want to add mini games into the, into the world of Vail. So for example, you look at the top 100 games in VR, most of them are mini games, whether right. it's ping pong or golf or tennis or hockey or basketball. That doesn't need to be that way. Like we can just do that in our game. So we want to launch free to play as a first person shooter that also has this whole social world where you want to play basketball for 20 minutes with your friends. Cool. You want to play hockey. Cool. We actually put hockey into our game as a little Easter egg and people love it. I've had wow, some people cool. tell me your hockey is better than Oculus hockey and Oculus hockey is a whole game for 30 bucks. So really excited about that. Yeah. Really, really just continuing to add more content and then start focusing on, on the social elements of VR that are only possible in VR. If Call of Duty made Call of Duty homes. I think people would make fun of it, but in VR, it makes sense. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's not dissimilar to what, you know, Epic has done with Fortnite is really created a whole digital world. That's an entire community where when you're going to hang out, whether you want to play battle Royale or, or you just want to hang out with your friends and creative mode, whatever, you're able to get in there and do all sorts of things. It's not just, oh, I just want to go shoot people. This is my only thing. Perfect perfect example of what we're doing. You bring people in for the shooter. Yeah. You keep them with cultural events, cultural programming, social things, things like that. Right. And is it sounds like there's a plan just to continue to evolve the game over time, or is there, and maybe you can't share it, or a veil too? Or what, what is kind of your perspective yeah, the, around the, that? The way we're looking at it is we're, we're looking to build a franchise, a multi-decade long franchise. Really the way that we've developed the game under the hood, like the actual code base is very scalable. Cool. And we're looking at this as like a 10, 20, 30 year long project. Uh, you know, we want to do battle royale. We want to do single player. We want to do co-op. We can do it all under the world of Vale as the social hub being like the main place. So you're in your house that you designed, that you bought, that you own, whatever you want to, oh, we just dropped the campaign mode. You just click a button, you're in campaign mode, and you're back in your house. So the house is a central point. For example, like if you see uh, Battle.net, right? Battle.net's like the Activision launcher with like 20, 30 games. Right. Battle.net, you have all these games. The difference is instead of having a launcher, you're in your house. And within the house, you have a launcher that you can go to other places and then come back. So like it's like it. almost, it's almost endless the way that we're designing it. And as long as people like it, we're going to continue doing it. I love it. I'm so impressed with what you've done. You've taken this passion that just a few years ago, you didn't even see yourself doing this, but based on what you love to do and the community that you're part of, you have brought everybody together, enabled everybody to win, and people are backing you because you're doing it the right way. Before I let you go, what are the ways that people can follow you, can follow Vale and play it in the ways that you'd like them to? Yeah, the, the best thing to do is just join our Discord. It's discord.gg slash VR. And then if you go on the links channel, everything's there. I live on Discord. I actually, during this one hour call, got over 100 DMs that I have to go through now. But <laughs> I live my, my life, I live on Discord. I'm either playing the game or on Discord or, or working on the game. So discord.gg slash VR. And my name is Tropical. Wonderful. Well, it's it's really a pleasure to highlight this and all that you're doing, get to know you a little bit better and love just understanding what's going through the minds of people who are innovating these space and leading these industries. So thank you, Jonathan, today for joining me on the DLC Drop Podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. 
This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.